All right, my friends, welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have the triumphant return of Ian Marco. He is fresh off of a two-month-long trip all over America, teaching kin stretch classes all over the place. We had a lot to talk about. This was a really fun conversation, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Without further ado, Ian Marco. That's like a struggle just about everywhere is trying to figure out what you're worth compared to like what people are willing to pay. Cause that's, those are two different things, you know, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I struggle with that a lot in Flagstaff. Like we talked about while you were here where, you know, like people will pay like tool, for instance, tools uh, playing down in uh, Phoenix and people will pay like $200 a ticket uh, per person. And then, so like if four people go, that's like $800, you know what I mean? And then they go down there, they get a hotel for a hundred dollars a night and then they go out drinking and then, you know what I mean? But then they're like, Whoa, your price is too expensive. I'm like, yeah, but you could barely walk. Like what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I can't afford you. Yeah. So, and that's been like a big fear of mine actually, uh, it, moving anywhere is like once you get something established then you know going somewhere else and then having to like kind of start all over again is pretty gnarly so now you're kind of in the trenches of that yeah man i thought it would be a little bit easier than it's been um to be honest with you i haven't put maximum effort in it like i said i've been trying to get settled and everything but uh you know i'm doing some stuff this week writing a blog doing some things like that but on monday you know i'm gonna hit it pretty hard and I'll definitely change my strategy if, if it doesn't work after a week or two. The other thing yeah. that they asked me to do was send my resume. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, what is that? <laughs> like, I don't, I, did you see, can I send you an Instagram clip? Like, <laughs> that's all I had. I was like, you know, I'm teaching like a kinship class. I'm like, well, what do you need to know about me? I don't know. I feel like I can tell you right now. Yeah. So that was interesting too. But I mean, it's just, it's a good wake up call, man. I mean, welcome to the real world, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. We, man. So you decided to move from New York city down to Miami, but then you're like, Hey bro, let's road trip across the country first. And so like, let's talk about that. Like what, what inspired you to do that? So, I mean, it was really all about, you know, historically I've definitely been a, uh, you know, a, a consumer of things, meaning, yeah. you know, I'll have a, I, right now I have three 50 inch TVs in my house. Um, right. You know, I have a ton of shoes. Uh, I have all these things that like, you know, aren't experiences and I would kind of prioritize those things. So the trip was really about, you know, prioritizing experiences, being extremely uncomfortable for two months straight yeah. <laughs> and uh, really meeting other people and trying to get out of what I do and find out what other people are doing so that I can kind of, you know, move away from some of my biases, some of my things that I do um, and learn a, the big picture from other people as well. So it was, it was definitely a huge success. And then also, you know, nature was big. You know, we went to so many national parks I'm moving from the concrete jungle to go into my fifth national park in a week. It's like, all right, well, this is different. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. That's really, <laughs> that was really funny because, you know, while you guys were here, you're like, Oh, we went to this really cool coffee shop in this spot. And then it was only like 10 minutes to get to your gym. And I was like, yeah, that's across town. And you're like, yeah. I don't know what that means. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, no, like you drove across almost the entirety of Flagstaff from that coffee shop to my gym. You're like, what? And like all of my friends that come here from like San Diego, they're like, why is it like eight o'clock at night and there's nobody driving? Like what's happening? I'm like, they're all home. Like that's what they're doing. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty funny, man. So then, um, 
so what did you, what was your biggest takeaway from that? Um, biggest takeaway was, uh, you know, that balance is everything, obviously. So like prioritizing, you know, the experience and then also the other stuff is really big. Um, I definitely got a big takeaway that a lot of people are scared of, you know, opening up to something new and that they are very biased, like in terms of it, I think you and maybe two other people or groups that I went to were really the only situation where I didn't sit down and end up on a 30 minute rant talking shit about some other system or some other group of people. Like, it's just like, I think that was, especially with trainers, like it kind of naturally happens. Like, Oh, do you follow this guy? I hate when he does this. Let me pull up a clip of him doing the thing I hate here. Let me show you, you know, and it's just like, yeah. So negative for no reason but it also doesn't really promote growth which is one of the big takeaways that I had was by the middle of the trip I found myself saying like oh I, I don't want to join in on that I'm just gonna sit back and say oh well maybe ask a question that's more like well how did you come to this belief that you feel about this person you know and then ask that so that would be my biggest takeaway is that honestly a lot of people are really closed-minded towards stuff whether it's me reaching out to someone who's never heard about kin stretch and then coming back and saying Oh yeah, I watched 10 seconds of the car's routine. I already do a lot of this stuff. It's like, okay, no, you don't, but that's great. <laughs> and then I look at your thing and like it's all tire flips. So it's like you're clearly not doing what I'm talking about. Right. But definitely also the people that are like super negative about stuff and even even bringing other stuff down when it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. Um, when you travel across the country and meet with so many professionals, you start to realize that you know, maybe people are getting there faster, but for the most part, unless you're really tr like trash, everybody's getting to the end goal if they put in the work. So there's right. a lot of different ways to be successful. It's one of the biggest things that I got. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, the more I get into my profession of uh, being like a massage therapist and a coach, like the more I realize that, you know, one specific thing doesn't work for everybody. So you need to have more tools in your toolbox and, you know, can stretch is great for people but it might not work for everyone so then you need to have different options to and that is just like oh, okay get out of here now you can't or like if you can't deadlift then you're just not going to train with me no you need to figure out another way to make them stronger and do all that and so uh i just got done with a four-day education course called uh, clinical neurodynamics which is basically figuring out if there's uh, nerves stuck in the system somewhere and then how to rehab that. And my favorite part about the course is he was like, okay, so if you do this test and it's not a neurodynamics thing, then do other stuff instead of like most courses that I go to where they're just like, this is the only way and you don't need anything else. And this is going to be perfect. Like there's just, there is no perfect system. There's only a perfect system for individual people, you know? Yeah. So then, um, Getting people to try different things. I think we talked about this too, where, you know, I am uh, coming out of the CrossFit space and I'm like trying to teach people what kin stretch is. And I'm like, hey, just come to this one class at 930 on Sundays. And they're like, nah, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, why not? Like, what's the worst that'll happen is you won't like it and you won't come back. Yeah, and exactly. the best is that you only hang out with me one day a week and we're friends anyway so is that bad like what's happening here but just trying <laughs> to, like just trying to get people to just even look in a different direction is so incredibly difficult just you know especially i kind i don't feel like uh frc does a very good job of promoting exactly what kin stretch is and how it can benefit people you know so that's kind of where i see it lacking from like the the top perspective coming down is like you know they because everybody knows what frc is but not very many people know what kin stretch is even in if they've taken the frc course yeah i think i think that really falls on uh you know it does fall on them of course but i think it falls even more so on the practitioners because you know you got to think that frc and kin stretch and frs their main goal is really to educate us and educate right. trainers so like you know, them talking to the general population doesn't really, you know, it concerns them, but it's not their main goal. And then that also falls on us to be, and this is something I fell into, is when you overcomplicate things and use all the acronyms and use all this stuff, sometimes you can lose a lot of people. And I yeah. think that that happens. 
happens a lot with kin stretch and it's pretty tough um but at the same time like i especially younger in my career i would sit there and say well i'm telling them all the right stuff this is the optimal thing and but like we just said it's actually context is king so if you're telling someone the optimal way to get somewhere and they don't listen guess what it's not <laughs> optimal because <laughs> they didn't even try they didn't even do it so it's like you almost like one of the things i do with my strength training online for one-on-one clients is i like pepper in mobility work sometimes because it's like oh i'm doing this strength workout but i actually got the mobility work but i didn't walk in and say oh i hate to do my mobility session you know what i mean so it's the delivery is really key and and as you said the context is everything yeah so like i said you're so basically what we just said was you're like blending modalities to get people more optimal but over a longer period of time which is what the other thing that i'm trying to convince people of is like um you know one of the uh biggest problems with crossfit is that you know people come off the couch and jump into crossfit so they're going to have a lot of gains really quickly because they went from doing nothing to doing something so if you just do go from nothing to doing something you're going to get better at something because you weren't doing it before and so um you know then uh just being in the scene for like a decade, like people start to get pissed off when they like taper off over like two or three years and some quit and some of them are just like, well, I'm just going to do a strength program now, or I'm just going to do, you know, competitive programming now so I can get faster. And so what people need to understand is, is that, you know, just like the, the, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Spina is change in tissues equals force over time. And so we're trying to get better incrementally over a long period of time, like years. And so if you are consistently doing, you know, your rotations of the hip or your rotations of the shoulder, it's going to get better. It's just like, you're not going to be like a a Mears and Donajad where you're just like, well, I'm going to do an hour of shoulder cars. You're like, cool. So he's going to get better faster than everybody else because he's doing more stimulus, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, man. You know, and even in that circumstance, when you have someone and you tell them, hey, guess what? If you do these for two or three years, your hips are going to be so great. And they're going to be like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> <I'm out." laughs> I know. But- it's going to get better every week. You know what I mean? That's why that language is so important. But for me and you, it's like we know that, that it's going right. to take that it's going to take a year. And it's unfortunate that it's, uh, it does take that long, but it's really the truth. You know? Right. And so – but I understand that because I've been training for so long. Right. And so taking a step back and looking at my training and being like, "Mm, maybe 30 muscle ups isn't good for me. Maybe I should do 30 ring rows instead. You know what I mean? Because one of those has more longevity for my shoulder capsule than the other one does. And so, um, yeah, like it's, and so that's still something I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like, um, you know, eating healthy for, a long period of time. You know what I mean? When there's all these different diets that are like whole 30 or whatever it is where, Oh, if you do this for 30 days, you're just going to be magically skinny. But then people like spend that whole 30 days being like, man, I can't wait to eat that cheeseburger. And then that, that, you know, then they just jump completely off the wagon and go for pizza and tacos and all the stuff that they denied themselves over a long period of time. And so the same thing goes with like fitness too. You're not going to get like just super fit in a short amount of time and then have it last long term. And so getting the, you know, like you were talking about earlier with like the, the material possessions thing, you know what I mean? Like we get so upset if we can't get stuff in like two days. So I'm so used to like Amazon prime where I order this thing and it gets there in two days. So if I order from an actual company and then it gets there in like seven or eight days, I'm super been out of shape. You know what I mean? But it's kind of the same concept. Like, it's just, it, and same with like business too, right? Which is something that you're working on right now. Like it takes time to get successful. You know, there's, there's like one Twitter and then there's millions of people trying to start a Twitter. You know what I mean? But that one Twitter's already there. So he's a billionaire already, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's a uh, really difficult. And then, you know, so then the other thing that we're talking about is how to influence people. Like, because that's essentially what our job is in order to get people in there. And then we have to keep influencing them in a direction that will be ultimately healthier for them over time. And, you know, just trying to get people in to my practice is just the most difficult thing. Like, what do people want? Like, I don't understand because like, you know, the 
most people walk around like a level two or a level three pain. And then sometimes it gets up to a level five, which is when you should call me. But you don't. You call me when you're at a 10 and you can barely function. So what if we kept you functioning well instead of trying to get you to function better? You know, so it's just, it's weird trying to get people figured out. Preparation is everything. For sure. Um, so then the people, so you talked to me about how you had struggles, like getting people to, even people that are in the kin stretch community, getting them to host you, which I think is really weird too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, there was a lot of good, I had a lot of great hosts and I had, I had, um, definitely some uphill battles with some people. Um, you know, I think it was, it was, I would take responsibility for most of it. You know, my approach, how I went about it, I could have been better, you know, looking back on the trip, um, certain things. Uh, but it was all a learning experience. But for me, like if I'm a kin stretch instructor and I'm say I'm in Miami and I have this, this class, I have a place. If you were going to come to Miami, you're going to be here one time. You're going to use your social media influence to fill up the class. I'm, I'm staying here. You're leaving. So, like, I'm not worried about, like, you're taking my business. You're doing this. You're doing that. I get to go through a class the way that I did it, like what we did with you is, right? You're sitting in the front of the class. You're demonstrating. You're an authority. You're someone who's also a, a master of this craft you're helping me, you're in all the pictures, you're in all of our social media stuff. So it's like, it's a no brainer. Like if anybody's listening to this and they want to come to Miami and I have a spot for you, like you can come, I'll set it up. You know what I mean? So like that makes perfect sense to me, but I don't know. I think that some people either kind of get a little bit like, Oh, I don't want to share with that. Or he's going to come to, into my space and it's not going to work out. I don't know what it might be, but to me that makes no, it, it makes no sense. Like teamwork is everything. Um, you know, obviously if you're doing an online kin stretch business, we don't have to cross promote 10 different times. I get that. But like coming into the class, like everybody that did it, it seemed to really work out. And, um, you know, especially with the pictures, fortunately we have Alex. So like you come out with these great pictures and even that, like some of the kin stretch instructors would come, they would, I, I would be like, listen, you have this perfect professionally dumb picture of you doing a hip car that you would never have gotten without this unless you paid money for it. Right. All you have is just either tag my brother or tag me and i still am scrolling through seeing people put up the picture no tag no you know what i mean it's just like okay not a big deal like I, i'm not complaining about it i'm not gonna say anything but like you know like where's the teamwork at yeah <laughs> it, it's tough man and it really is but at the same time it's all learning experiences and you know you put good vibes out there and you try to help other people and then if they don't come back and help you then i'll probably help someone else before i help them again you know so it's not a big deal yeah, it's a, and it, for me, it's always an opportunity to learn something and be better. So, you know, before you came out, I had um, uh, my friend Barefoot Movers uh, on Instagram. Why can't I remember his name right now? Really? Oh my God. But uh, I'll think of it like 20 minutes from now. I know. Um, but he came in and taught animal flow and he's an amazing teacher. And I was just blown away at, you know, how clearly and he spoke and how easy it was for amateurs to do these really technical movement patterns. And I took a lot from that. And then the same, same from you. Like when I, uh, the second you started coaching, I was like, holy shit, I need to start paying attention to this dude because your, your coaching was on such another level and um, so different from what I've experienced before, especially with like commanding the class. And it was just such a huge learning experience for me and my kin stretch classes changed for the better because of that experience. And so, yeah, you're very welcome, man. And like one of the things that I realized is that I was putting way too much into that. Like I was putting in all the isometric movement pathways and all these different movements. And so trying to flow from one thing to the other, and you really simplified it, which was ultimately more beneficial because then we spend more time doing what more on, uh, spent more time doing just that movement. So like, for instance, like just the standing hip car, you have them pause at each position so that they understand 
what that position feels like before you move on to the next position. And then ultimately you're getting a lot more radiation because then they're having to hold those positions. And then it's more beneficial for them in the long run because then they have a better idea of what they're supposed to do when they go home. And then they start doing that on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, uh, especially with kin stretch, it's so complicated. They come in, you know, half the people are like just got done with their CrossFit workout and they're like, I can't wait to do a little nice stretch. And then the <laughs> other half of the people have not heard anything. And then there's two people in the corner that are like elite level gymnasts who are like really mobile. Like that's usually the split you get with kin stretch. So anytime you can simplify anything is really, really key. And I think the biggest point that you had was, you know, if we're preaching the science that change at the capsule level, change at the tissue level takes so long, then anything I can do to make it so that you're going to do something outside of class is goes way beyond. So like, just like you said, something as simple as the cars, pausing at every single spot, instead of going home and then being like, I don't know how to do this again. It's here, you have a video, you have the cars routine. Two, remember where you were really sore holding there, 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 and you couldn't hold in the back? Yeah, just hit those spots along the way. And then all right. of a sudden, they start to really lock in. Their body feels what they were feeling that day, and then they can really recreate that and make long-term progress, which is why we're here, right? Right. So that's, that's the move for sure. Yeah, and then that's a great way to have them – focus on that spot. So like this spot in your hip cars or your shoulder cars was more difficult for you. So you just simply have to spend more time there because your brain doesn't understand what that part of that joint movement is. And then going back to, you know, what you just said about um, people just saying, well, I don't know how to do that. Like that's such a testament to how brilliant of an instructor Dr. Spina is because he, he, instructed it in such a way that we're just like okay but then i'm trying to teach it to people and they're just like i don't know what to do and i'm like move your fucking joint in a circle like what do you mean like yeah how do you not know what to do no i don't get it what like the 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 full body cars like i keep telling you i send you i send people your your morning routine all the time because they just can't get it so just start at your neck and work your way down and if you forgot a joint move that joint like that's what we're doing. But then they're just like, no, it's too complicated. I don't know what to do. Like, oh my God. It's really, it's really interesting. Just like, and it's such a brilliant self-care program. And that's a, that's kind of a reality that I had uh, with my massage practices. Cause I don't practice the same way that like my dad does, who's a massage therapist also where people come every two weeks and get a massage from him no matter what. And then, so that's part of my stress and my struggles that like when people come in, I fix them and make them better so that they don't need to come back. So I'm like, well, shit, now what do I do? So then movement and clear and articulate movement like kin stretch or FRC is how you maintain your body. And so trying to convey that to people is uh, a big struggle for me as well. And it's just, man, it's so weird. We take better cares of our cars than we do ourselves. And it just doesn't make sense. I think maintain is, I even put this, I put a post up yesterday and it was, you know, 1% improvement every day and 1% decrease every day and how different those are over the long term. And someone said, uh, you know, someone tagged someone and then in the comments they said, well, what about maintain? And I think maintain for some people is super attractive, but for other people it's like, well, I don't want to maintain, you know, or like we always use the brush your teeth analogy, right? Like, would you not brush your teeth? Well, what about your shoulder? You should actually move your shoulder too right kind of it kind of hits home but i think what we what i really try to focus on with kin stretch and kind of leads into what we're talking about with crossfit and I'm, I'm also writing a blog about this so that's why it's fresh in my mind is the idea of preparing yourself for crossfit preparing yourself for the movement so that when you get there it's not just let's do this really intense thing that you're not prepared for it's you actually know how to prepare for it you know how to warm up when you're there and it's objective it's my shoulder can't get here so why am i asking it to do it with weight so it's really uh it's really tough for some people to like think about maintain and i think it's actually really attractive to other people but for me, the uh, preparing is, is, is huge. I think mean, preparation in terms of kin stretch is big because that's really what it is. Yeah. And so uh, my last couple months of coaching CrossFit, that was like a big thing that I was trying to get people to focus on is 
uh, you know, like the, the health of the joints, like just doing single arm movements before you do barbell movements and stuff like that. And then the, the, the common complaint uh, amongst all CrossFit coaches is that people don't warm up. They talk, right? They just sit there. They had a long day. They're talking. And when I'm coaching a CrossFit class, I'm like, okay, we're going to get this workout started in 15 minutes. So you have 15 minutes to do your warm up. And now you have 14 minutes and now you have 13 minutes. And then I count all the way down on the minute to one minute. And then people are just like, holy shit, I'm not ready. And I'm like, I've been yelling at you on the minute, how long it takes you to get ready for this workout. You need to start getting like, well, I have to pee. And you're like, Oh my God. And so <laughs> it's just like getting right. people to focus, man. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately the world is, uh, it needs mediocre people too. And, <laughs> and even us, it needs people that are going to get hurt too, honestly, because that's what will get you back. But hopefully they learn their lesson eventually. You know? Right. Yeah. So, um, what, what were your favorite places to visit while you were doing that? Cause that's, that's a, I had a long term, long family friend. He's, he's known me my entire life. He um, retired after 42 years at the same job and he just decided, you know what? I don't know anything about America. Like I'm just going to, I, why would I go to Europe or all these different places that I've, I've never seen my own country. So then he just started driving all over the country with his wife and checking everything out. And so what were your favorite places to visit while you were on that trip? So in terms of, uh, you know, living places, because of, you know, my history and being, you know, Florida to New York City, um, I think California is really attractive in a lot of ways. I think San Diego was cool. Um, I personally would love to live, like, on the outskirt of L.A., like, you know, somewhere not downtown, but, like, you know, um, in that area would be really great. Uh, and then also where I really like Denver a lot. Denver yeah. was like amazing. Like there was one day where it was 80 degrees and the next day it snowed. It was yeah. wild, <laughs> but it was sunny. So like one of the sentences that I heard that was really attractive to me, was like, yeah, it's cold sometimes, but we get 300 days of sun. And like the Floridian in me was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in New York city, when it gets really dark and cold, it's depressing. But like when I'm in the mountains and there's like this green Christmas tree with snow all over it and it's sunny, it's not that bad. You know, uh, yeah. I could really kind of hang out there. So in terms of living, those would be the biggest places that I would live. Cause I need something a little bigger in terms of people, the kind of, be used to the same vibe and then the nature and all that um in terms of visiting for nature um white sand is amazing man just like being in that in new mexico there's you know the, the, the huge dunes um seeing like the sunset there and the sand like turns pink it was that was pretty epic i really enjoyed that yosemite was really cool too but at the same time there was a lot of smoke there when we were there so it was a little bit of a, a buzzkill in some ways um, but those would be my two favorite, um, for that. I really enjoyed the Rocky mountains. We did a pretty epic hike up there. I like that a lot. So those yeah. would be my top places that I would suggest for someone. Yeah. So like, those are my two favorite places as well. Just from, you know, um, my best friend lives in, uh, Denver and my wife's family's from there. So we visit there probably six to eight times a year, you know, and I love that place. And, um, you know, it's basically like a bigger flagstaff, essentially, you know, so then you can still, you're in the heart of the city, but if you drive like 20 or 30 minutes and you're out in the wilderness, which is really cool. Um, and then I've taken a lot of education courses in San Diego. Um, and there's a really, um, prevalent movement community there, you know? So, um, the, uh, the person that you, um, that hosted you, uh, Kristen, right. Um, yeah, she, uh, is really good friends with my friend, Andy Shea, who, you know, I have taught education courses with and he owns a gym out there and like all the gyms out there, like get together and hang out and go to the beaches together and like barbecue and all kinds of stuff. And they just hang out all the time. And I'm so covetous of that because like Flagstaff's like the exact opposite where everybody's like, no, I'm not talking to you because you know, you might steal my clients or whatever you know what i mean it's so stupid and it's just like we're not competing you know i think i told this to you like we're not there's you know like if you have 50 members and i have 30 members and there's 
74,000 people in Flagstaff. We're not competing. We both just have marketing problems. That's what's happening. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like so few people there too. I think that that's, that's part of the issue too. But, and maybe that's why they feel that way, but either way, I think you working together can still be uh, the best solution. Like we talked about. For sure. And it's just, and then, you know, just like you coming to my gym, I don't look at you as a threat. I look at you as an opportunity and I look at everybody as an opportunity. So like it, there's, if there's a way that you coach better than me, cool. I want to learn that so that I can integrate it into my coaching, then I can be a better coach and maybe tr- vice versa. Right. The, yeah. So it's, it's ridiculous to think that you can't learn from people, you know? And so that's just one of those, those, uh, those things. And so the difference between Denver and San Diego for me is that in one of those places, you never have to shovel snow. And that's very attractive to me because I've been shoveling snow my whole life. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty much over it. And so that's why um, I'd like to move to San Diego at some point. I don't know if it'll ever work out, but man, and I love the beach too, man. The beach is amazing. There's just something about the ocean, you know? Yeah, you get the mountains and the beach out there, which is kind of cool. You know, you can even just go for a big hike and then end up on the beach the next day. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then uh, Yosemite, I haven't been there in like probably 15 years, but it's so beautiful and amazing. But it's also like nature, which is something that I think about a lot that I'm not really prepared for. You know what I mean? You're like, this is really beautiful. I might camp out here, but there's also bears, you know, the bears are kind of scary and I can't fight a bear. (laughs) You didn't do any camping. Uh, you know, I feel like, especially with the national parks, they make it so you can do a lot of them without camping, which is cool. Um, because like you said, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for that. We didn't have the stuff. I wasn't about to spend money on a tent and all that. So yeah. we were able to do it without that, which was kind of nice. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, people talk a lot about like, oh, travel so expensive. But like, you can really find a $60 motel anywhere. Right. And then the Airbnb is so prevalent too right now, man. Yeah, I mean, some of those Airbnbs I, I missed. It was nice being at them, you know, and like having three days at the same place with the washer and dryer. Like you could really set yourself up on that on a trip like that. Yeah. So the last time I went out to uh, San Diego with my wife, like we um, ended up staying at this uh, in a mansion that overlooked like Hermosa Beach, and there was this. So I got to like they had a huge living room with like a curved window. So every morning I could like see the sunrise on the ocean. And I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. This is like, and I think it was 50 bucks a night. And I was, and you know, the closest hotel was like 120 bucks a night. And it wasn't even a, it was like a Marriott or something. It wasn't even that great of a hotel. You know what I mean? It's like, it's insane how much money you can save just staying at Airbnbs, just staying at somebody's house. It's super weird. And then that's like the the newfangled technology that we have where like 10 years ago, I'd have never been like, oh, I'm just going to go stay at a random person's house and give them a couple bucks to hang out for a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, so this trip must have been good for Alex too, right? Because like he, like, especially from a photographer's lens. Yeah, he, got, he has so much stuff that we haven't even edited yet, like, man, we have so much stuff to get back to and edit and, and uh, you know, eventually put out. It was really cool because we moved into our, our new place and, you know, I have like all this like, you know, like pictures and stuff that you would think of like more when you're younger, you know, like almost like college vibe stuff. And uh, now we can replace that with uh, like really cool pictures of, you know, a framed picture of white sands next to the great uh, sand dunes from Colorado, you know, like, yeah. like oh, duality you know like white and and that with the dune difference and uh so it's it's really cool he's he definitely uh killed it on the trip and has a bunch of stuff to really use now right on and so you're from miami uh technically i was born in miami but i'm actually from like i was i was here for seven years and then i was raised in like palm beach county like boca raton delray area okay so that's a so that's another thing that's weird to me and foreign to me because like you were in Flagstaff, it's pretty much just like this small town, lots of wilderness and stuff like that. But there's people that like haven't ventured like outside of the city ever. And so I realized that when I was selling river trips down the Grand Canyon, people like had no idea like what to expect because they've lived in like New York city their whole entire life, you know? So 
that's just, it's really interesting just to, you know, that's like a, almost like a dream road trip that you got to do. And just, it was definitely a dream. I mean, think about also like we were talking about earlier about like connecting with people and teaching people and getting them to understand what you do. You know, you start to really get a good vibe for like why this person believes what they believe. I mean, uh, I don't want to talk about politics, but it's just a good example. But like you find someone that's on a farm, no one's around them at all. And then they use their gun to protect their cows. And it's like, why does this person believe in gun control or <laughs> like they need guns? Like, uh, they actually do. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so like it's, it's, you start to talk to these people that are so different from you, such different circumstances. And you realize like their beliefs are really based off of really valid things. And it's up to us to understand those beliefs and find a way to really kind of connect with them and also allow them to let you in so that you can teach them and help them, which was definitely a big goal of the trip. And I, I think that was accomplished in a lot of ways. Right on. And then uh, one of you guys spent some time in one of my other favorite places on earth, which is Santa Cruz, California. It's like, it's really interesting. And maybe you can speak on this a little bit, just the, the difference between Southern and Northern California. Yeah, um, we spent a lot of time, my, uh, my aunt has a farm in Pescadero, so we were like all around that area, and uh, it's definitely different, uh, you know, it's a little bit more spread out where she's at, she, I mean, it was a legit farm, uh, so, but it was so beautiful, man, like the, the, the sunsets there were super orange and like pink, and uh, it was just a beautiful place, and it's cool because, you know, you're close to San Francisco, you can definitely drive in, but you're also like kind of out there and can be like on the beach where it's not crowded and all kinds of stuff. So that was a really cool spot to be for sure. Yeah. So my uh, great aunt lives like right on Westcliff Drive in uh, Santa Cruz. So like she's, you like cross the street and then walk down a cliff and you're at the beach, you know, it's just such a trip. Like, and uh, you know, it just seems like, like there's like this this line like right in the middle of California where people are like super hectic and kind of anxious. And then you get further North and then they're just kind of way more mellow. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. Yeah. It's nice. I would want to live right in the middle and have the best of both worlds. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, and then did you guys go up into Portland and, and Washington at all or no? No, we didn't do Portland or Washington. Okay. Uh, we went to Jackson Hole after California, and then we came back and did Utah and um, Colorado. Right on. What did you guys think of Utah? Um, it was cool. We, we went mountain biking, which was yeah. like another theme of the trip in terms of like, for me, I personally really enjoy certain types of exercise. You know, if I, if I could, I would play basketball three to four times a week. I would, you know, deadlift twice, you know, like really standard kind of stuff. So the idea of kayaking, mountain biking, um, hiking, uh, you know, doing all these things were, were, was definitely a new experience. So in Utah, we went to Moab and it was supposed to be like one of the top mountain biking places in the world. So we did some mountain biking there, which was pretty cool. Uh, pretty difficult for sure. Um, definitely new, but I, I enjoyed Utah. The food wasn't great there, to be honest. Um, but other than that, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So where did you, I think you were in New Mexico and you were telling me about this restaurant um, that just, they were like, this is what you need to get. This is like this pancake or whatever it was. And you're just like, uh, what? Texas, the lemon. Squeeze lemon juice all over pancakes that were made out of egg and then just folded it over with a bunch of butter. It, it was disgusting. <laughs> and that was in Texas. That makes sense. <laughs> There's a lot of places out there where like, I mean, I'm super on the other end of the spectrum from New York, obviously, because, you know, I'm asking like these places, like, do you guys have cold brew? Um, do you guys have oat milk? And they're like, what's oat milk? You know, so <laughs> it's, I'm on that end of the spectrum, but like, me the person not even have avocado or, or they just had, you know what i mean like it's kind of like well you, i guess there's different parts of the world that's really hard to get to but like, i i prefer a restaurant that has avocado especially for my breakfast <laughs> <laughs> that's such a <laughs> yeah i feel that where you're just like how do you not have avocado that's so weird but the yeah texas makes sense like 
<laughs> yeah. I, uh, all right. Well, I guess so. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I flew out to Dallas for a, a education course last year, and that was the first thing I noticed was like, oh my god, like this place has no healthy food, like anywhere. It's so weird, and it's just That's like. Was. New Orleans was like that. Right on. I've never been to New Orleans before. Is it yeah. still like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like sequestered into my little town and I'm just like, I hear like, you know, New Orleans is still trying to recover from Hurricane Katrina however many years ago. Is that true? Yeah, I think so to a certain extent. Um, I think it's come a long way, but we were only there for one day and honestly it was like a Wednesday night. Uh, so we like went to go listen to some music, some jazz, and like eat, and uh, the whole place smelled like throw up to me because <laughs> kind of you know is that vibe down there. Um, but it was also dead, so like there was none of the crazy like kind of uplifting kind of like energy because there wasn't a lot of people out. It was a Wednesday night, and then there was also stuff that smelled like throw up everywhere. So it was kind of like uh, I wasn't really a big fan, which yeah. I knew going into it. Plus, it was, like, at that point of the trip that was, like, towards the beginning where I realized I was going to gain a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I went to go eat, and I was like, man, this is only going further downhill because, like, everything was, like, comfort food, which is cool, but, you know, two months of that will add up, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know all about that. I'm, like, on the reverse end of comfort food right now. Me and, like, we started this, uh, you know, you just get to this point in your weight where you're like, okay, man we need to stop this because this is crazy, you know, like it's time to start. <laughs> and so I'm about three weeks into that. And I, um, like I said, uh, was at an education course for four days and they're, um, you know, they catered a lot of it, which was really cool. But like for breakfast, they had like breakfast burritos and breakfast sandwiches. So I'm like, cool. So I'm going to eat like three breakfast sandwiches, but without the bread, you know what I mean? And it's just, and then the first night they uh they took us all out to dinner and they're just like cool so here's these huge pretzels and nachos and you know then i uh i had a found like one meal that had like steak on top of a bunch of veggies with like a avocado aioli kind of sauce on it and i was like super pumped and then they're like and then here's these four half-baked cookies that we're gonna put on your table with like ice cream and all this shit and i'm like dude no wonder we have an obesity epidemic, man. All this stuff is so prevalent everywhere you go. Oh. And it's, you know, just like that, that restaurant, you just found one thing that you could eat. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Like you just think, well, there's got to be a steak or something, you know? It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, so, so what were you, so what do you, you're just like focusing on your business now. So what's your kind of plan going forward? Because I think this is, a uh, really important topic for, you know, especially people just starting out, but especially with people who are contemplating moving somewhere else, because this is a big experience for them. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things that I'm doing right now. I basically reached out to all of the top places around me to try to teach a Kim stretch class at. So that's kind of my first step. Um, you know, I feel like once I get in to teach Kinstrad, it'll lead to FRAs, it'll lead to, you know, more people knowing what I'm talking about and being able to help them. Um, and then I'm also really working hard on launching new things that are online. So improving the things that we already have, for example, I'm redoing our online programming so that the one-on-one -on -one flows a little bit easier, it's a little bit more presentable and pretty looking. Um, and then our, uh, I'm also doing two other things. So one of the things that I really have been thinking about doing is I get so many questions and DMs and stuff from people that either just took FRC or signed up for FRC or just want to learn about mobility training from a coaching standpoint. And I have a lot of different ways of helping them now, but I wanted to put together a program that's super specific to just that. So, you know, like when, you know, that moment when you leave FRC and you're like, wow, all that was crazy. I don't know what to do now, you know, yeah. like, or even that first moment where you're like, wow, I don't have a shoulder. What do I even do for my own training? I shouldn't be doing that shoulder press, you know? So it's like, right. so many of these people are lost with that. So like one of the big business things that I'm trying to do is I'm actually going to start planning today exactly how to implement that program. It's going to be an online course. You know, you'll be able to just go through it. Um, something like, for example, I have, 
I've probably seen hundreds of cat cows at this point, right? When I first started cat cow, I'd take you in, I'd look at it, um, and I wouldn't even video it, and I'd just be like, yeah, you know, it actually looks pretty good. I thought it would be worse because you have chronic back pain. And then all of a sudden, the next time, I was like, maybe I should start videoing these. So I start videoing them, right? And then a couple of weeks later, I'll start, all right, maybe I should look at this a little closer. And that same person that I thought was not good or that was great is really terrible. They're only moving from one spot because all I had to do is slow-mo it down and be like, oh, wow, this person is literally hinging from just that point. So little things like that, having it up there, having 10 examples of a cat cow, being able to break it down, being able to see what it is, and then what the intervention would be to how to get this person to move their spine better. So that's a big thing that I'm doing with that. I'm kind of at this point where I really understand that I think a full income could easily, or not easily, be made online so that you don't really need to be in person too much, which is a goal. But the problem with that is, is that I love training people in person. I love being yeah. one on one. I like to think of it as a big part of my social interaction throughout the week. Um, luckily I have a ton of friends here in Miami, which is cool. But at the same time, like I really do get a lot from being invested in my clients. So I'm going to let that build a little bit slower, not go crazy. One of the things that I don't want to do, um, I don't want to sound like an ass, but like, I don't want to go back to a corporate gym and, you know, go from charging $150 an hour in New York to someone paying me $45 an hour, $35 an hour. Um, so I'm avoiding that at all costs. I will go broke before that happens. Uh, yeah. I lived on peanut butter and jellies when I moved to New York and I'll do it again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, which I, I really don't see that happening. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure of it, but that's pretty much my plan right now. Just like really, you know, we also have our subscription model on the website, which we kind of put on the back burner, honestly, because uh, I, I didn't like Vimeo very much. Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking about revamping that and beginning a basically going from a $30 subscription model to maybe a $50 or $60 and then adding kid stretch classes to that. Because what happens is I have a lot of people who have done level one and level two, but then it's like, well, what do I do now? And I'm like, I'm traveling the world. I don't have the time to really do level three right now. So what I'm thinking is now that I have the time, instead of doing a level three, actually just adding classes and starting to build a bigger library for everybody. Yeah. Man, that's kind of a lot to unpack there. So that's actually a really good idea with the kind of like a mentorship program, right? Because that's where a lot of people struggle is like, especially coming out of, you know, FRC, like I said, they teach it really well. And, you know, the first thing that uh, Dr. Spina says is when you're done with this course, I want you to be able to teach it. And so he does a really good job of that. But trying to figure out how to, um, you know, the, incorporate that into your current practice is, I think, really difficult for a lot of people. So I think that's a really good idea, man, because it's a, there's, not very many people like me or like you, where you're just like, man, I'm going to go fail my ass off at this for a couple of months before I get good at it. You know what I mean? And integrate a bunch of shit and make a bunch of mistakes. Like people are, um, they have like the, that fear of not being perfect right out the gate, which nobody is. Yeah. A lot, a lot of those same people, you know, I did a mentorship group before that really worked very well. Um, and I, and I, I do think that that's very much in line with what I'm talking about, but I think a lot of those people do, they are really scared to fail and they they need that, to, they need to fail because that's how you really learn. But most of them actually have a lot of the right answers and they almost just need to hear yes. You know, yeah. hey, yeah, this person doesn't have a shoulder. You should totally give them more shoulder rotation. But in their mind, they're like, well, what about this? What about this? And it's just like, no, just do the first thing. Your first idea that was really great, just do that. And then all of a sudden they're like, shoom, they take <laughs> off. Right. And like, I'll totally be that person to tell you yes, but also on top of that, if I can give you the cues that, and, and even the communication that really gets the most out of that for that person, then I think that's even more valuable for sure. Right. And so, and then going back to your one-on-one uh, -on -one training, like I'm a, I think we're very similar to where, you know, I'm not black and white. I'm not introvert and extrovert. I'm both. Right. And so when I'm home, I'm at home and I'm chilling and I'm, you know, reading a book or doing stuff online or watching TV or whatever. But when I'm out, like I love being social and I love coaching people and I love watching them improve. And I love, 
that look in their eyes when they realize that, you know, especially like women that they can deadlift a lot and they're capable of being strong and they don't, you know, if they do deadlifts, they're not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're actually going to look more feminine. You know what I mean? Like that stuff's really important to me. And I, that's part of why I love my job so much, but you know, there's also a limit to what you can do one-on-one. So I think that those, uh, those online programs that you're building up are really important as well, because, you know, once you get used to a certain type of lifestyle, then you need to be able to keep that going. Um, and it's, you know, that, um, that supplemental income that's quote unquote passive income. Like you, it's not passive. You're working your ass off on it. Right. So like, definitely not the one-on-one right? (laughs) questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, someone's got to pay for the avocados, right? Right. (laughs) Those cold brews are not cheap. No, (laughs) that's so funny that my coffee habit, that's something I backed off on a little bit, you know, save like quite a bit of money just making coffee at home, you know, man, God, coffee. It's so good. And then people are also telling me, well, your adrenals are probably shot to shit. And I'm like, probably I'm still drinking four cups of coffee a day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. You definitely got to scale back on that, but you can't go all the way back. You still need some, that's for sure. Right. And it's a, it's, it's more about like the ritual thing. You know what I mean? Like waking up, like I wake up, I feed my dogs and while they're eating, I do my morning routine. I'm just doing all my cars and then I let them out and then I start my coffee. And then when my coffee's done, I sit there and I read for like an half hour to an hour you know what i mean it's just like the ritual so then if i don't drink coffee then that's a big chunk of my ritual that's gone and i'm like Whoa. yeah i mean can you really even read without coffee i don't think so i don't think so i mean you can stare at it <laughs> just stare at the book and be like what are they saying <laughs> yeah man especially because like a lot of the stuff that i read is really clinical stuff it's just really dense so i'm not going to read you know really dense information about the nervous system without coffee. That's not going to work out. Right on. And so, um, so like if somebody wanted to start like any kind of online program, what would be, what would you recommend the steps be for them? Um, I really like Thinkific. So in terms of the first step, find out what platform you're going to be on. Um, I really like Thinkific. Um, I would also suggest doing other people's, you know what I mean? Like see what else is out there. Like, for example, I've had plenty of people who have done my kin stretch level one and then went and did their own thing and maybe even used some of my stuff. Now, obviously copying the whole thing is an asshole, but at the same time, like you can definitely get inspiration and see some outlines and stuff like that. So those would be my two biggest things. But then beyond that, um, you really got to know who your, who your demographic is. And that's something that I've really struggled with. To me, I can tell any single person, CrossFit, uh, old lady, uh, youth athlete, whatever it is, I can explain to you why mobility training and why what I do will help you. So I've gotten lost in trying to help too many people, trying to be too broad, and instead of focusing on specific things. So I would say identify your market first and really, really go in on talking to them instead of trying to talk to everybody because that happens to me all the time. And like, I've done that, tried to cater something to everybody, and guess what? Somebody still gets offended. And it's just like, all right, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like everybody's, someone's always going to get offended. That's one of the things I've learned. And then also there's a lot of people that you're going to cater to that will never pay you. So like you're working so hard to include or, or say a sentence that's going to bring this group of people in and that group of people is not going to pay you ever. So you're literally taking away from the people that will pay you, not being specific to them so that this person can and that's been a big uh, downfall for me in a lot of ways, I think. So that would be number three is really be specific to your market and ask for help. Find someone that can mentor you. Find someone that's already doing it and talk to them about it. Yes, that's something that I've learned, uh, especially in my massage practice. I was like, man, I'm just going to work on athletes and it's going to be great. And they're, they really want to just take care of their bodies and be performing at an elite level all the time. And that's just not true at all. Like they do not. And 
And so, uh, especially with like the running community here, we have some elite runners here because it's high altitude. And so, you know, they train really hard here. And then some of them even like go on to the Olympics and stuff like that. So the reality is they're not going to pay me because they're used to getting free stuff all the time. You know what I mean? In order to try and, and, you know, endorse this product. So they're like, why would I pay you if I'm me and you're just you? That doesn't make any sense. You know, so then what I realized is that there's a lot more people out there that, that need my help. And so, you know, what I'm going to be focusing on in my online platform is um, more of like uh, the first responders, like the, the firefighters, paramedics, they have access to a gym while they're at work, but they don't have time to do everything in an hour because they're always getting called off on calls. Um, they, you know, they're like speaking of adrenals that are shot to shit, like their whole nervous system is shot to shit because they're just like, you know, working 48 hours, 72 hours in a row and they don't need like high intensity interval training their first day off of work. They need something a lot more mellow. And so that's what I'm developing right now is something that is um, variable based off of how you're feeling on the day. So once you get into the workout, then you're like, I just feel like shit. I'm just going to do this instead of that. And so it gives people a lot more options, um, you know, and they're the people that need the help the most, I think. But then there's also like, you know, uh, is not what it's made out to be. No. Most people, I think when I first started, I had the same exact thought. And like, the truth is the athletes, there's so few people in the world that athletes actually pay their bills. Um, it's really the, you know, for me, everybody knows Ewen from my, my cars routine and, and all my videos. Um, she's a really strong kind of little Asian girl. She started off like, we always joke, like band camp to elite level athlete. Like when I first met her, she was just super smart coder at Goldman Sachs, you know? She's so consistent twice a week. She still does online programming with me. Like those are the people and we're friends too, like real close. So like that, those are the people that are really not only going to pay the bills, but you're going to get so much out of it and they buy in. I'm not saying you can't get that with an athlete and you should definitely pursue it. But the reality is like, for example, I was training uh, Noah Syndergaard, right? All right, cool. But what about the off season? Oh, I'm not here in the off season. All right, great. Who are you working with? Um, here's the list of nine other people that I'm working with. Do you want to coordinate with them? Some of them get a little butthurt if you reach out. Okay, great. This is a mess. <laughs> this is yeah. terrible. And uh, the whole time, like, I'm trying to make it so that you pay, play every single game. Like, I got high expectations for what my training is going to do for you. But when it's a complete puzzle with all these other people, it's a mess. It really is. So I think, you know, I love training athletes, and I'm not stopping anytime soon. But it's, it's really tough to, to rely on them compared to a general pop. For sure. And I just got done with uh, a book called The Lost Sense of Balance. And it's basically the most shocking statistic is uh, most people after the age of 60 are considered a fall risk. You know what I mean? So then now I'm thinking, well, shit, like how do we get people before they're a fall risk? You know what I mean? It comes to, because that's like a, that's a huge deal. And so, you know, um, my mom obviously was one of my first like training clients. And so she's 69 and she's definitely not a fucking fall risk. You know what I mean? She's like stepping up on boxes. I make her lay down and get up on the ground all the time. You know what I mean? She's deadlifting. She's doing single leg deadlifts. She's doing, you know, all kinds of different stuff like three times a week. She's so much stronger. You know what I mean? So then like, how do you start to integrate like the, the importance of that to people? You know, so it's a, it's, it's a problem that we have in America where like the older people get just the further away they get from the ground, which is why like Ken stretch is so beneficial for even them. You know what I mean? Because then they're on the ground instead of, you know, well, I'm getting weaker, so I'm just going to get a taller bed and I'm going to get a taller toilet and I'm going to get, you know, instead of stepping into the shower, I'm going to get a walk-in shower, you know, all this different stuff. It's super counterintuitive to what the actual problem is absolutely couldn't agree more on that yeah and so and that's just a because that's a big learning curve like right when you start out too is just figuring out who needs more help rather than who you'd rather be helping you know absolutely man right on there was a that was a 
really good conversation, bro. I feel like that was a lot kind of packed into a short amount of time, really valuable for people. Um, so, so you said you have some projects coming up in the pipe. Where can people find all that stuff and keep in touch with all that? Uh, definitely Instagram. I'll be putting everything up there. We're actually putting a lot of stuff on YouTube. What they should really do is go check out the stuff that we did on YouTube. We're going to be more of it on there, but like, Honestly, especially that spinal stuff that we did, I've gotten some great feedback on that, and it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, that, that would be the two best places. And then also, as always, like anybody that wants to, you know, send me an email or send me a direct message. Uh, if you know someone in Miami that needs needs help, man, let, let them know, spread the word, and uh, that's pretty much it, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time, dude. That was a really fun, really fun conversation. And uh, I'm really... I'm really working on uh, figuring out how to get the funds to start your online programming too. Cause I really want to get in on that. Um, you know, because I know all the information and I could do it myself, but that's one of those situations where I probably need a coach. So I'll be reaching out to you soon on that. I got you. I'll hook you up. All right, brother. All right. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Good. Have a good one. Have a good one.